Welcome to the PKN Podcast, where we give you the wrap on all things packaging. Welcome, folks, to the PKN Packaging News Podcast, brought to you today by Bonfiglioli. My name's Grant McCarran, and as ever, I'm joined by Lindy Hewson, Managing Editor and Publisher of PKN Packaging News and the host of this show. G'day, Lindy. Can you please tell us about our topic and our guest for this episode? Well, hi, Grant. Yes, today we're going to be talking about reducing single-use plastic in the home. Now that it's it's lockdown, I'm finding myself doing a whole lot more household cleaning um, than I was before, or maybe noticing things are a little bit more dirty than before. And I've also noticed quite how much packaging we use in our household. So today I'm very excited because we've got with us Mike Smith. He's the founder of Zero Co., which is a startup that launched recently, um, well, in 2020, with a range of household cleaning products in packaging that's reusable, recyclable, and also contains recycled content. It now, Zero Co., has a community of over 35,000 Aussies who are buying this range of products online and are very excited about uh, the fact that their packaging that they're using is so much more sustainable. So we're here to meet the hero behind Zero, um, and that is Mike Smith. Mike, welcome to the podcast, and we'd like to hear your story. Tell us how it all began. Well, thank you so much for, for having me. Um, great to be with you. Um, the the journey to to launch Zero Co uh, began in 2018 um, while I was on a, a pretty crazy trip to some pretty crazy parts of the world with my now wife, Alyssa. Um, following the sale of my previous business, we, we just decided to pack up and, and go on the adventure of a lifetime. Uh, and we, we tried to get as deep into nature and as far away from civilization and as far off the tourist trail as we could. So, you know, we spent the better part of 18 months traveling and the better part of that in a tent um, out in out in wilderness. Um, went to see some crazy places. We, we trekked along the border with um, Afghanistan and Tajikistan for about a month. Um, we stayed in some Kurdish villages along the border with Iraq and Iran. Went to North Korea. Um, went to Kamchatka in the far northeast of Russia. Um, to Nagaland along the border with China and India and, um, and Bhutan. Uh, so yeah, we, we really went to some pretty crazy far-flung places and uh, I, I was just both blown away by the amount of plastic that I saw in some of these parts of the world where there's not even humans. So it's was, it was kind of you know mind-boggling to see the, the volume of plastic waste um, in those places and, and it really uh, it really affected me um, you know because I, I love nature, I love being outdoors. Um, I'm a surfer, um, I love trekking, I love hiking. Uh, and, and yeah, it, it really shook me seeing the volume of plastic out in the middle of nowhere. So probably for the last six months of that trip, I just started to think really deeply about the plastic problem. And anytime I got into uh, internet range, I was downloading articles and papers and just trying to read up on the plastic supply chain and the plastic economy and the recycling industry and you know solutions that were being proposed and um, just trying to get my head around the problem because I don't I don't come from a industrial design background I don't come from a plastics background I'm not an engineer I've never worked in the you know the plastic or recycling industry so I've, I very much came at this from a complete novice outsider um, point of view uh, which I think allowed me to ask questions that people sometimes when you're in in, in an industry you kind of just get caught up in how things are always done 
Uh, so it's, it's sometimes refreshing to be able to come into an industry from outside and, and ask a bunch of questions like, why are we doing it that way? Is there a better way? Can we do it better? Um, so, yes, yeah, so I, I basically spent six months just thinking about this idea, uh, which was really amazing and really fortuitous to have you know, a moment in time to properly do that kind of thinking. Uh, and then I came back to Australia in the start of 2019 and, um, and set about doing it, basically. Uh, and it's kind of just been a roller coaster from there. So what were your first steps? Um, you got back, you decided, you're all energized about the idea, but where did you begin? The, the first step was convincing my wife to move back in with my parents so we could save on rent and put our life savings on the line to get this business off the ground. So that was that was step number one. Um, moving back in with my parents at the age of 36 was, a, was an interesting experience. Yeah, I, no small challenge, I'm sure. <laughs> no, no, not at all. But, you know, that's, that's the startup game, you know. Um, so we set up a little makeshift office in my childhood bedroom and, uh, and, and set to work and basically spent probably a month writing a business plan and, and just trying to lay out and map out all the variables, um, all the things that we would have to understand, all the things we didn't know, um, all the things we'd have to learn. Uh, so we got to a point where we had a really good strategic plan in place. Uh, then we then we put some money in and, yeah, then we got to work, basically. So what was the first area that you felt? I mean, obviously, the plastic packaging was obviously something that you thought, now we have to start here because that's the problem we're trying to solve. So you, you're now at sea because you have you know nothing about packaging who did you go to first yeah so the, the the start of the whole process was really the insight that to solve the plastic problem globally there's really three things that we have to do we have to um, educate people and make people aware of the problem um, and then we need to work out a way to stop single-use plastic being made in the first place because if we just keep producing more single-use plastic, it's just going on to the pile that already exists out there in the world. Uh, and then we've got to find a way to get all the plastic that's made its way into the natural environment and, for me, particularly into the ocean, get that out of the ocean. So they were, they were the three objectives that we set, educate people, stop single-use plastic and fund ocean cleanups. Um, so the education piece uh, it has kind of been an evolving thing and it's become a, a core part of our business and our brand. You know, everything that we are doing and talking about is about the plastic problem. Um, then the, the next point for me was working out how could we how could we build a market-based mechanism to fund ocean cleanup? So rather than trying to rely on charities or government funding to go and do ocean cleanups, if we could build a, a business model that had um, – ocean plastic built into the supply chain. So if you could build a product out of ocean plastic, then it, then it would inherently fund the cleanups and it would be a self-sustaining and scalable system. So we started looking around the world for people who were doing ocean cleanup projects um, and trying to work out if there's anyone who was doing that and then doing the next step, which is recycling that plastic um, and turning it into material that can be made into packaging. So that was that was step one. Uh, and then step two was trying to work out how do you build a reusable, refillable form of packaging to stop the single-use plastic problem, right? So, so our whole model is based around what we call forever bottles. So when you, when you buy your first box of Zero Co products, you get a forever bottle, which is made from um, ocean beach and landfill diverted plastic. You keep that at your house and you refill it forever using a reusable, refillable um, pouch. So you send the pouch, we send you the pouch full of liquid, you fill it, you use it to fill up the forever bottle, then you send the empty pouch back to us 
Um, we clean and sanitize the pouch and um, fill it up again, send it back out to someone else. So we had to find someone who could um, who could make a pouch um, that could withstand the, the, the target we had was a hundred refills, right? Um, so if you think about our uh, our hand wash product, for example, we, we sell our hand wash in a one liter pouch, um, which has got which is a the equivalent um, of about. So if you think you go to the supermarket and you buy two five hundred mil hand wash bottles. Our, our pouch is replacing those two bottles, but then when you factor in the, the plastic in the pumps, it works out to be almost three bottles that our pouch is replacing. Um, so every time someone buys one of our pouches and returns it to us, that's three bottles that aren't going into landfill. So if we can if we can refill that pouch a hundred times, then that's three hundred single use um, hand wash bottles that don't get made and don't find their way into um, the waste stream. So we needed to find a way to make a pouch that could be refilled 100 times. That was the first challenge. Um, and then we thought, let's make this even more audacious and see if we can make that pouch out of recycled material so that there's very little or no new plastic being made in the first place um, for those pouches. Um, we haven't yet got to the point where we can make a pouch from 100% recycled material. Um, I, think, I think where we're at at the minute is about 45% of the plastic is made from um, recycled material and we're, and we're constantly running trials to see if we can get that any higher but we had to kind of have this balancing act of if you made it from 100% recycled material it probably couldn't be refilled a bunch of times so it's a constant trade-off um, so yeah there, there were so many world firsts that we had to had to undertake to get this project off the ground and in hindsight probably trying to do four things that had never been done before anywhere in the world all at once was probably a bit ambitious um, and it caused a lot of sleepless nights and a lot of stress. Uh, but we got there. It took us a year, but but we we've, we got to market. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was it was a pretty um, impressive Kickstarter campaign that you ran as well. I think it was one of the most successful that Australia has seen. Am I correct? Yeah. So we did a um, we ran our a Kickstarter campaign in November, October, and November of 2019, uh, with a goal of trying to um, inspire um, some Aussies to pre-order a box of our products and help fund the project and come on the journey with us. We set a, we set a target of $250,000 uh, and we ended up raising $743,427, um, which was about 7,000 pre-orders, which just blew us away to see that level of support from such a broad selection of the Australian community, um, which gave us the funding to then go and do all of these world first things that we needed to do. So you've you started with seven thousand, and that was by the time you launched, that was twenty twenty, um, and now you're up to a community of thirty five thousand. Yeah, so we we had had about seven thousand at Kickstarter, and then it took us twelve months to get all the product developed and ready to ship. So we started shipping in November of last year. Twelve months um, in between those two points. By the time we started shipping, we had about twelve thousand pre orders in the system because we continued to take pre orders between Kickstarter and shipping. Um, and as of this morning, we're close to 40,000 um, customers now, which is, you know, it's so heartening and so exciting every day to see the ticker. We've got it live on our website every morning. It refreshes and you can see the ticker going up and up because um, every every customer, every household that joins us is potentially 5,000 single-use plastic bottles um, not going to landfill um, in their in their lifetime. So, you know, it, it's it's a huge impact if we can, if we can get to, 100,000, 200,000, 300,000, a million households in Australia, it's just exponential impact on the plastic problem, which is why we're doing this. 
I have to say that what you've done a really good job of is creating a family of packaging that looks great. I mean, the the colors are, they're muted, but they are fashionable, let's say. So you wouldn't mind having this standing out on your counter. Um, and then at the same time, they all work together. It's color coded. Um, it, it really looks it looks pretty schmick, if I have to say. Um, I am curious to know, you said your pouch has to be, can potentially be refilled a hundred times. Um, what happens after that? Yeah, so we're working on a project at the moment with our packaging supplier to take pouches that for whatever reason um, reach their end of life as a pouch um, and turn that into a envelope for customers to send empty pouches back in. So at the moment, in your first order, along with your forever bottles and your um, pouches, you get a reply paid envelope, which is made from 100% recycled um, cardboard. What we want to do is replace these, which essentially are single use at, at the moment, with um, a reusable envelope, which will be made from our post-life pouches. So we're working on that project at the moment. So. It, from day one, we've, we've thought about not just how do you build something that's awesome, but what do you do with it at the end of its natural life? Um, because I think that's the kind of thinking that we need um, across industry to get us out of this single-use plastic mess, right? Because you need to think all the way through to the end of the life cycle and, and what happens to it. Um, so that's that's the project we're working on at the moment. We actually um, secured some government funding recently to help us develop the technology to do that, um, and we're literally about to start working on that in, in the weeks ahead. Okay, well, that's that makes me feel better because I do. I was thinking it through to that stage, and the next question also still still on the pouches. So, are you finding that people are getting the message clearly that they need to leave the spout intact in that pouch, um, and then sending it back to you? And are they actually sending back their pouches? Yeah, we've had um, as of this morning about forty three thousand pouches have been returned to us. Um, and we haven't, what's what's the most exciting about that stat is we haven't sent a single email to a single customer to ask them to do that. We haven't had a single Facebook or Instagram post. There's been no communication out in the world um, prompting people to send their pouches back other than the message that comes in the first box that you order and is on the return envelope. Um, so we are in the process uh, of building a world first piece of technology to automate the pouch cleaning process. It's been about 12 months um, of crazy um, mechanical engineering. We, we designed and manufactured this machine from the ground up here in Australia. Uh, it just got turned on a couple of weeks ago, so we're deep in trial mode. And, and the goal is to be able to clean 10,000 pouches a day with this piece of technology. So we've deliberately not um, gone out and really um, prodded all of our customers to send pouches back because we didn't want to get overloaded till we had the full system built. Um, but we're about to do that in, in a couple of weeks now. We're going we're gonna to start communicating to our customers saying, hey, nudge, nudge, if you've got some pouches at home and you've used them, put them in the, in the envelope and send them back to us because we're about to do pouch cleaning and refilling at scale, which is super, super exciting. But to have 40,000, 43,000 returned just naturally, organically from, from people's behavior is, um, is so awesome. And it's so exciting to see that people get the system and get the model and they've bought in and they want to play their part in stopping single use plastic. Yeah. Well, I would be extremely excited about that if I was you. And um, so as soon as that machine comes on stream, you are to let me know because then the readers, our audience, people who are excited about packaging just because they're in packaging will also like to hear about that news. So 
do keep me posted. Well, now to get to the next exciting part of your story, you are about to launch um, a body care range. So tell us more about that program and the current campaign you're running. Yeah, so we um, from day one, our vision is to have the most um, extensive and broad portfolio of personal care and home cleaning products. We want to be the one-stop destination for all of your personal care and home cleaning needs. So any single product that's in your kitchen, laundry, bathroom that, that it goes on your body or is used for cleaning um, will be available through zeroco.com.au. We launched with 10 products to begin with. Most of those were cleaning products other than hand wash and body wash, um, which we launched in the first range. And now we've just launched a shampoo, conditioner, deodorant, and body lotion, um, which is in, in pre-sale mode at the moment. So it's live on the website, zeroco.com.au. Um, the world's first single-use plastic-free body care range. Uh, so we're super excited about that. We've had about three and a half thousand pre-orders already come in in the last in the first couple of weeks since we launched the campaign, um, and we'll start shipping those products before the end of the year. And then we've got a whole range of products in development at the moment. I can't talk too much about those. There's some top secret things in there, um, but they will essentially round out the range and, and and mean that you can get everything you need from zero. So- so those products, um, I understand that you've also developed the products themselves um, so that they align with your ethos of, of clean living. <laughs> Tell us a little bit more about the ingredients and the products themselves. So a big part of um, our product strategy is to do a couple of things, right? First of all, it's making sure that we produce products that work as well, if not better, than the big name supermarket brands. Um, so all of our products are backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Um, we've had them all independently lab-tested against the top-leading brands um, from the supermarket, and, and we've, we've published all that data on our website to show customers that, yes, our products work as well, if not better, or we'll give you money back. Um, but then also formulating these products you know, with, a, with an environmental focus to make sure that we are not including ingredients that are not good for you, that are not good for your family, and that are not good for the planet. So it was a, it was a real challenge, a real balancing act when we we're doing the formulation process um, because the reason that a lot of the supermarket brands work so well is because they're full of really harsh chemicals, you know. Um, and so when you strip those out, um, there's, there's a trade-off between environmental credibility and efficacy. And so we had to do lots of um, testing and reformulating to make sure that we had products that really worked but that didn't have a whole bunch of nasty stuff in them. So that's been our strategy from day one. Um, and I think we've, we've found a really great balancing mix between those two where we have got products that are really good for the environment, but also um, clean your hair, um, clean your hands, clean your dishes. You're listening to the PKN Podcast by Yeffa Media. We'll be right back after this. In a world filled with change, you can count on Bonfiglioli. Bonfiglioli's relentless commitment to excellence, innovation and the sustainability of your business ensure that you'll always be ahead of the curve. Decades of experience in developing specialised solutions for solid and liquid packaging and processing applications make Bonfiglioli your trusted partner. You can count on local support, a large stockholding, customised solutions and the best service every time. Bonfiglioli. We engineer dreams. And now, let's get back to the discussion on the PKN Podcast. So, do you think that you have an advantage because you are an e-commerce-based supplier? 
Uh, I'm thinking now of particularly of a company, a startup company like Thank You, who is in the supermarket and has gone head on with those major brands and in some categories has had to get out of those categories, for example, in the baby care, um, because the competition was tough and the fight got ugly. So do you think that being e-commerce based is in fact an advantage? I think definitely in the era of COVID, there are a lot of advantages to being a direct-to-customer business. But I think more generally and more broadly, people are more comfortable buying all kinds of things on the internet now than they ever were before. Um, And the reason we didn't go into the supermarkets from day one is because we are trying to build a people-powered solution to the plastic problem. Um, And to do that, to build community, you need to have a way to interact with your customers, right? You need to have communications channels that you can talk to them and you can share your journey. And if your main distribution channel is a supermarket shelf, you don't know who your customer is, right? Because they're not buying directly off you. There's a middleman between you and the customer. Um, And you also just become another product on a shelf, basically competing with everyone else on price, right? That's really the differentiating position in supermarkets is who's who's on special today, really. So for those reasons, we, we didn't want to build a business about around discounting and we wanted to build a community. So we wanted to have a direct relationship with our customers. Um, and that's been super powerful and, and it's helped us build this community of 40,000 people in you know, under a year's time since we launched. So you're aiming for 5,000 people to buy your body care body packs before you can launch. Is that correct? Yeah. So we're, we're trying to get 5,000 pre-orders in the system to, just to help us get um, the funding over the line to go and press go on production for um, our, our minimum order quantities are much higher than 5,000. It's kind of 10,000 units for each of the liquids and up to 20,000 for, for the pouches and bottles. Um, but getting 5,000 orders in the system just helps ease the cash flow burden of launching four new products, which is, which is quite expensive. Um, and also gives us a bit of an understanding of what demand is going to be like so that we have got enough refills in the warehouse ready to go. So I'm curious, can you see this in your data? Are the people who have signed up for the three and a half thousand, those people who've already signed up, are they members of your existing community? The vast majority of them are, yes. Um, I think we're at 3,700 this morning and probably 3,500 of those are existing customers. Okay, so they've drunk the Kool-Aid and <laughs> they're on board. Well, that's that's what you want. So effectively, you're expanding your range. And as you add more variants to your body care range, you're also going to find that you'll have the repeat business from those people. Now you need to drive the word of mouth and build that out from there. So what is your strategy to do that? Um, So I think a big part of what we do is talk to our community all the time. So the reason we develop shampoo, conditioner, deodorant and body lotion is because we asked our customers what they wanted us to make next. um, And they were the four top products that were requested. So we went and found a formulator and and built those products. Um, So a big part of our strategy is having a great relationship with our audience Mm -hmm. and they go and talk about Zeroco and tell their friends how great Zeroco is. Um, so there is an, a, a kind of a natural, organic, um, viral shareability about what we're doing because we are, number one, mission-based um, and people want to be part of the plastic solution and they want to share that with other people. Um, but we're also making really awesome products that people love that work really well um, and aren't any more expensive than what you get at the supermarket. So there's just all the, the bits and pieces that go into making up our business um, there's lots of things for people to talk about and share and be super stoked about and super excited about and, and want to be you know, on, the, on the journey with us. 
Now, Mike, this is not your first rodeo. You have, you're a serial entrepreneur as far as um, I could gather from your history. What, was this one of your most challenging companies to start? Uh, in a lot of ways, yes. In a lot of ways, no. Uh, so, so it's my third business. Um, I started it when I was 36. Uh, my first business I started when I was 24. Um, <clears throat> so I had 12 years of experience prior to this and I had lots of different experiences. I had some outright failures and I had some modest successes. So I, I came to this project with my head very well screwed on. I wasn't a kind of young gung-ho first-time founder that thought he knew everything um, and and ended up in a bunch of problems. I was that guy <laughs> 12 years ago, 100% was that gung-ho first-time founder, thought I knew everything cocky. Um, but having had some experiences, I came to this project with a much broader view of um, an understanding of what is required to build and scale a successful business. Um, so in that regard, this has been the easiest project I've ever worked on because I've got 12 years of experience under my belt. I know what not to do most of the time because I've gone and done all the things that I wasn't supposed to do and they didn't work. Um, and I've learned my lesson the hard way. But in, in on the flip side of that, it's also been the most complicated and complex because of all the things that we are doing that have never been done before, right? Um, pulling plastic out of the ocean, turning it into um, bottles. We're, we're doing all of that in Australia now, which has never been done as far as we're aware. Making a reusable pouch out of recycled material, that's never been done before. Building a machine to um, to clean and, and sanitize those pouches has never been done before. And then launching a, an e-commerce business based around this set of products with as broad a category of um, spectrum of products that we have all at once has probably never been done before either. Um, so the, the complexity of trying to do all of those things simultaneously uh, during COVID has, has, <laughs> has pushed me to the end of my capabilities and beyond. Um, but it's been awesome. You know, it's, it's been super exciting. It's forced me to learn really quickly. You know, we've gone from um, being basically myself and my wife um, to a team of 17 in, in under a year. Um, we're about to hire another five people. So we're going to be a team of 23 in, in less than a year's time. So I've had to learn how to go from being a doer and, and kind of just doing everything to being a manager and a leader. And that's, that's challenging in its own right. You know, so I've had to upskill very, very quickly. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been awesome. It's been an well, awesome journey. I trust you've moved out of your parents' home. <laughs> I've moved out of my parents' home. Yes, I have. I have. <laughs> so they, um, as you're probably aware, are a bunch of startups in this space, um, yep. all trying to do what you did. What advice would you give them? Um, keep going. Just keep pushing. Um, go faster. Go harder. Ignore all the detractors. Ignore all the haters um, and just be be pure in your vision and following your vision. One, one of the really unfortunate things that I've found in the sustainability space um, is there is a tendency to try and try and find the faults and the flaws in everyone's solution um, and to nitpick and instead of celebrating everyone and all of the stuff that we're all working on, there's a tendency to try and point the finger at people and if you're not perfect, then it's not good enough. Um, and so one of the things I try and talk about as much as I can in the startup space and in sustainability is we all just need to support one another. Um, and none of us have the solution, the silver bullet to this plastic problem, because it doesn't exist just yet. Cause we're all just kind of muddling and fuddling our way through 
the world creating this industry in real time, right? Um, I don't think that Zeroco is the perfect solution. There's, there's going to be a better version at some point. We're constantly trying to innovate and get better. Um, <clears throat> and so I would say to people out there, don't don't slag on other people and don't try and find the holes in in their in their solution. We should be celebrating everyone and and trying to work together. Um, and and I constantly have people reach out to me asking for advice, and I try and find time in my diary to do Zoom calls and phone calls with, with other founders that are that are trying to get into the space and trying to work out how to do stuff, how to raise money, how do you do a reusable packaging model? Because um, we just need lots and lots of people working on this problem. Um, and all working collaboratively and supporting one another. Well, thanks for finding time in your diary to spend with us today, Mike. This Your story is inspirational. The fact that you've brought all these Australian firsts, uh, world firsts, into the Australian market is a real boost for our industry. Um, and all I can say is keep up the good work. I'm off to order my body care pack right now. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. Well, thanks, Mike. Thanks, Lindy. And thanks, of course, to the folks who have joined us on this episode, which has been brought to you today by Bonfiglioli. If you get the chance, go on out and hit Zerico's website and uh, get your name on the list to help this uh, body care package get off the ground. But don't forget, in the meantime, we'll be back in the not-too-distant future with another informative episode. But until then, have a great day. The PKN Podcast is produced by Southern Skies Media on behalf of PKN Packaging News, owned and published by Yaffa Media. The views of the people featured on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of PKN Packaging News, Yaffa Media, or the guest's employer. The contents are copyright by Yaffa Media. If you wish to use any of this podcast audio, please contact us via the website or send an email to editor at packagingnews.com.au. You can subscribe to this podcast via your preferred platform and read all the latest news on Australia's packaging industry at packagingnews.com.au. You've been listening to a Yappa Media Podcast. Southern Skies Media.